Can we have all our moms stand up from the youngest to the oldest? Where are our moms? Let's celebrate our moms today. Thank you. Thank you. Where would we be without our moms? Non-existent. And I hear we have gifts for all moms right after all the women after. So if you just enjoy getting a gift, today is your day. So uh, we're glad you're here. When we talk about Mother's Day, though, um, I, I've just been captivated this week by this understanding of moms who are mama bears. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do we have mama bear moms here? Yes. Okay. Here, here's, here's what uh, mama, mama bear, I think this is a good description. Mama bear is a sweet way to describe the fact that I'd tear you open and eat your insides if you hurt my child. So it doesn't matter how I, you know, if I need to discipline my kids, I'll do that. But don't you dare do something to my kid or I will eat your insides. I found a few of them. I just thought they were fun. Uh, I may look quiet and reserved, but if you mess with my kids, I will show you seven different kinds of crazy. Or, or another riff on that same thing. I may, I may be quiet and reserved, but if you mess with my children, I will break out a level of crazy that will make your nightmare seem like a happy place. And for those of you who, that still doesn't make sense, maybe you can hear it from Boromir. One does not simply anger Mama Bear. This is uh, how I think we, I want to try and tie this in, this understanding of Mother's Day and the Mama Bear when we come to the book of Joel. Now, we began this series and we'll end it next week. We began it last week. But today, I want us to look at this. Why did we choose Joel? Why in this season of Easter would we look at Joel? Well, it's because when we get to Pentecost, which is the next season, is going to happen here in just a few weeks, when Peter stands up to declare what has taken place to the people, he preaches from Joel. And uh, that verse is right there on the screen. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see vision. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So I thought this would help us build into the season of Pentecost if we had a deeper understanding of what was going on with Joel. Now, the first thing we had to remember is that a prophet is not a sorcerer. There's no time stone. He's not like reversing or going forward in time and then coming back and announcing something. It is more like a a prophet who is a poet, someone who uses the power of God's words to shape the world. And he has an understanding of the culture and what is going on and tries to call to repent, to turn around, that I know where that road goes and that road leads to a destructive place. So let's close that road. Let's turn around and let's listen to where God is calling us. That is a prophet as a poet. We then last week looked at the day of the Lord because Joel talks about this day of the Lord. And we said that the day of the Lord was when God saves the people and confronts sin. Let's say that again. The day of the Lord is what? When God saves the people and confronts sin. All right. And they found out uh, over time, not with Joel, but those prophets who came before Joel, that sometimes when Israel begins to participate in some of that collective sin, that they find out the day of the Lord is not just about letting, uh, getting those other nations in order, but that God has to come and get Israel in order, that the day of the Lord is coming for them. Now, Joel presents this in both present and future. We talked about this as 
kind of two railroad tracks, that he's talking about something that is presently taking place, a plague of locusts that is just devastating the agricultural uh, venue of the time. And then on the other side, this future, this is where the poet comes in. He morphs this understanding of these locusts to be like that unstoppable army that they had seen earlier and could come again. And he begins to preach and weave a message. And his sole purpose in both looking at what is taking place on this day of the Lord in the present and what a day in the Lord in the future is to call people to repent. Because, he said, like the devouring locusts or like the armies that could come in the future, he wants to remind them that whatever you place your trust in that is not God will eventually devour you. When they were looking around and seeing the locusts and seeing how they just devour uh, plants and food and and those kinds of things and take away, even down to the grass where the animals were struggling uh, to find sustenance in the midst of this, that Joel says this is an opportunity to point and say, when we place our trust in anything that is not our God, that thing will devour us from the inside out, just like the locusts that you see. And so his only call then is to repent or to turn back to God. We saw that this word is a Hebrew word, shuv. It just means to turn around. I was going this direction and now I'm going to turn back to God. I'm going to move in the direction that God is calling me in. Then Joel tells them how you do this. That you rend your heart and not just your garments. That we bring all of who are, are we, we are. Our hearts are the seat of our emotions, our intellect, our will, according to the Hebrew folks. And so we're bringing our will, our heart, our emotions. We're bringing all of that back to God. And we are opening it up just like they would open, uh, they would rip their clothes in their grief to say, I am just undone. That we would do the same with our hearts to open it up to allow God to come in in that moment. That there is a sense of we understand what our actions of not trusting in God have brought into our lives. Then he also tells them why they should be comfortable to rend their hearts before God. He quotes Exodus and says, Return to Yahweh your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And last week, many of you took advantage of an opportunity to rend your hearts before God, to model and show repentance in your behavior, in your hearts, here in the sanctuary. Many of you kneeled here in the altars and in the front pews. It was a great, great outpouring. But I told you that if you wanted to see God's response, you'd have to come back. So some of you did. And so let's move on. And let's look at Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, beginning at verse 18. Joel chapter 2. You can get your Bible however you do that, through uh, electronic means or in the book in the pew in front of you. But let's hear from Joel chapter 2, beginning at verse 18. Then the Lord was jealous for His land and took pity on His people. The Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will put the northern horde 
far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea, and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea, and its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely He has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given you the autumn rains because He is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel and that I am the Lord your God and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. This is the Word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. Amen. So we see this response after they have understood what was going on and they heard Joel's declaration and his call to repentance. When Joel himself repented on behalf of the people and invited the people to to join him as well, that here is the response from God. And we find out that his response proves that Joel was correct about God being gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. We see it proved immediately right as this happens. Now, Joel wants us to know more than anything, and if you get nothing else out of this sermon, I want you to hear this. Because Joel wants you to understand that whatever sin has devoured in your life, God can restore. I'm going to say that again. I think you should write that down. That's good, good word for you to hear this morning. Whatever sin has devoured, God can restore. Amen. That is the God we serve. That He is merciful when we turn to Him. Now, this does mean that we have to turn. We have to shove towards God. That I was going in this direction and I'm seeing all the devouring things that are happening in my life. And I've heard the call and I have turned and I have repented and I am moving back towards God. I am listening. And in order to be able to even think about repenting and turning, there is some amount of humility that is required. Now, I, I just this this should be just common sense. For any of us to say I was wrong about something requires some humility, doesn't it? To be able to say I don't have everything figured out, and obviously from the circumstances of what those things are that are devouring on the inside, I need to find something else. And so to repent and turn back towards God means there has to be some sense of a humble acceptance that I don't have everything figured out. And that's a hard thing for us as human beings to do. Because we seem to have this natural Fonzie syndrome. I know this is an old example. Did anybody remember Fonzie? Yeah? Okay, good. 
If you ever have you ever watched Happy Days and seen the Fonz, you know that one of the things he has trouble saying is that he was wrong. When he apologizes, it goes something like this: "I was," or "I'm." He can't even get it out because he's so macho and so cool and, and he knows everything and he just seems to figure everything out that he has trouble saying wrong and usually somebody has to finish the statement for him. But Joel wants us to hear and know that God is gracious and what sin has devoured, God can restore. But there is a sense where we have to turn and say, I didn't have it all figured out and I need your help and I need your guidance, oh God. This is a theme that is throughout Scripture. I want you to think all the way back to the garden. The first thing that happened when we talk about the fall of humanity was what? I know better. I want to determine right and wrong for myself. And they get it wrong all the time, over and over and over and over again. And we see all through that those kings, once we get even into the kings, when they humbled themselves in their poor decisions, it was then that God was merciful. But the ones who were prideful were the ones that had sin devour their kingdom from the inside out and devour their families from the inside out. And then we see God send His one and only Son And He does what? He empties Himself. He takes on the form of a servant. He humbles Himself even further. So this understanding of repenting when we have missed it, when we have seen the effects devouring our lives from the inside out, to be humble and say, I need your help. I'm lost. My life is being devoured and I don't know what to do. But I'll turn to you, O God. It is then we find this God who is compassionate and merciful and able to restore what sin has devoured. So when we are humble and returned to God, there is something right there in our very first verse that happens. And that is the Lord becomes jealous for His land and for His people. God, in other words, Mama Bear engaged. He raises up and he sees what is going on. And God, the great Mama Bear, comes to the rescue of His people. And we begin to see that God deals with the problem that is at hand. If you want to look at verse 20, you can see that. He says, I will drive the northern horde from you. This is all the locusts. Pushing it into a parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea. And the western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea. And its stench will go up. Its smell will rise. In other words, that thing that has been devouring you from the inside out. God has the strength, the will, the compassion, the mercy, and the power to deal with it in a decisive way that pushes that thing, that sin, that whatever, into a barren land, drives it into the depths of the sea. God is able to deal with the problem at hand, and there is no problem that is devouring you from the inside out that our God cannot handle. Are you awake? There is nothing that sin has done or devoured in your life that our God cannot handle. And He is more than willing to do so. That is, that is what Joel wants us to understand when God 
lists out what he is going to do to those locusts. It's not just the locusts. It's what's devouring us that God can deal with. And God restores what was devoured. That takes verses 19 and 20 and 25. There's a lot about the restoration. That's because while God can deal with something in a moment and does with the sin in our hearts, the working out of His grace into our lives and the restoration of our lives to the human being that He created you and I to be takes time and patience and grace and God is more than willing to do that. Look at what He says uh, in verse 19. The Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. Do all those things grow Instantly, or does it take a little bit of time? It takes a little bit of time. And God is willing to do that. It goes on in, in those other verses and talks about how the, He will sustain even down to the wild animals. That there is nothing beyond the scope of God's desire to restore. And that these trees will bear fruit in its time. In other words, what sin has devoured may take a while to restore, but God is patient and God is willing to help you all the way along until you are restored. I want you to see this. He says that they'll be satisfied. So what sin uh, slowly devours in our heart and kind of tempts us and puts it out there, if you'll do this or take this or be this, then you will be satisfied. But ultimately it's devouring you on the inside. But God says, I will slowly restore you. I will call you. If you will, if you will let me show you, I will lead you all the way along. He also says there will be no more shame. One of the things that when sin has devoured something in our lives, we tend to feel great shame. Now, shame is different from guilt. Guilt says I've done something wrong and hopefully gives us the strength to go and make it right. Shame says I am something wrong. There's something wrong with me. I'm no good and I will never be any good. But God will deal with that. And sometimes that's a process where we have to let Him restore us. So where sin piles on shame, God slowly removes shame and restores our dignity as human beings. Aren't you glad of this? So I guess the question is today, are you willing to let the mama bear loose in your life? Has God laid something on you so that you would understand That thing that you're participating in is devouring you from the inside out. Are there things that seem impossible? Like it just seems like I can't let go of this and it seems to grab you and hold on. Are you willing to let the mama bear become jealous of you and what is going on in your life? Are you willing to let God come and deal with the sin And restore the life that God called you to live. I want want to close today by talking with you about Dr. Ted Roberts. Ted was a military, a marine pilot in Vietnam. 
I don't know if you've ever been around pilots. They tend to be very sure of themselves. Well, that's a nice way of putting it, right? Ted was like those pilots. He was very sure of himself. He had learned at a young age because of what had happened in his family and his mom uh, had divorced and had married a couple of different men, all of whom were abusive to him. And he learned he had to be tough in order to survive. And he had to be confident and sure of himself. And he learned over that stretch of period of growing up that, uh, that there were things that could help numb the pain. One of them was alcohol and one of them was women. And so he lived into the lifestyle of being a pilot. Later on, he met his wife. And they married, and these things continued, these dynamics continued to play out in his relationship with his spouse. It was damaging, it was devouring him from the inside out. And it was one time when his wife, who had become a Christian and invited him, and and it had been so many times that she invited him, and he finally just said, yes, I will go. And he went to a Bible study, and he thought it was weird. But he kept coming. They came a second time and a third time. And finally, in the Bible study, he had a question. And the question sounds like something you would find in the Bible, but he had it for himself. He said, how can I be saved? Something began to show that those things that he was using to numb himself, that pride, that arrogance that he was saying, I will determine for myself was damaging his relationship with his wife, was damaging his work relationships, and all of these kinds of things. And he began to say, what can I do? Well, they told him very simply, and he knelt at an altar and he prayed and asked God into his heart. And he knew that something had changed on the inside. He knew that the locust horde had been driven into the depths of the sea, pushed into the wilderness area. And yet, there were still some things that he was struggling with. The ways, although the the problem had been dealt with, the restoration was taking a little more time. He he recognized this. He he tells a story of one time when he was on his way to the officers' meeting. And the officers' meeting, he said, was really just a lot of drinking and talking about war stories. And he got out of the car and he was on his way up and he felt checked and paused. And the Lord said, you are not going to find what you are looking for in there. And if you will allow me, I will take this from you. This desire and this need. And he said, yes. He said, yes. And he paused. And his words, he describes a feeling that raced through him. And he said, from that moment to this moment, he has not had the need for another drink of alcohol. God delivered him. We believe that that is possible and can happen. But he said just as quickly as he's telling this story, that struggle with the lust and the eyes and pornography, that took every ounce of grace and determination and will and relying on the Holy Spirit and moving through 12-step groups and everything. But God was faithful to deal with the problem and to lead him patiently, surely, all the way through to restoration. It is a both and, my friends. And today, 
Joel invites you and I, will we turn the mama bear loose on our lives in this Mother's Day? And say, come, and what can be dealt with immediately, deal with it immediately. And give me the grace and the patience to walk with you, to humbly say, you know the way, I don't know the way. I need your strength. I don't have it in myself. I need to know your wisdom and teach it to me. The Bible tells me if any of us lack wisdom, let us ask of God who gives generously to all. That includes you. So for you, my friends, God has restored Ted Roberts. In fact, some of the men here in this church have benefited from what God has done for Dr. Ted as he now leads Pure Desire Ministries and has a great curriculum that helps men walk through this process while God restores. What will God do in your life? Today you may be thinking, I don't have it in me. That's right. That's why we ask of God. And when we turn to Him, He will become jealous for you. And He will deal with what needs to be dealt with. And He will lead you all the way home. He is faithful. We sang that. Great is His faithfulness. So today, are you ready? For the mama bear, let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for being the great mama bear who is jealous of those who return. You are patient and willing to watch as discipline happens in our lives. Those sometimes tragic things that devour us from the inside out. But you wait, looking, when we turn to you, you become jealous for us. Those are my boys or my girls, and I'm coming and I will deal with what needs to be dealt with in the moment. And whatever sin has robbed them of or devoured, I will restore to them. I will cause it to grow. I will walk with them while it is growing. And I will lead them through whatever it takes to get them all the way home. Where there will be no more shame. Where there will be no more devouring of life. But life and life to the full. So Father, send Your Spirit to come right now. The Spirit You said would convict of sin. Not so people can feel ashamed or guilty, but so that people would have the power to turn and in humility say, I need your help. And to receive from your hand exactly what they need.